Hello and welcome back to Season 2 of Twin Paradox. I'm King Everett Medlin, and what you're listening to is a sci-fi trilogy I wrote four years ago under the pen name Purple Hazel. Twin Paradox follows my first podcast series entitled Deathwalker Colony, which is now a full-length novel available for purchase on Amazon, along with the first two books on the Rigel 12 series, The Rise of New Australia and Return of Anarchy. Go online and check them out. Speaking of that, you'll want to listen in to the end of this evening's podcast for an interview with my special guest, A.D. Randall, author of the sci-fi fantasy novel Death's Final Love Note. She'll be joining me in the studio later on and will give a preview of her latest work. Tonight we begin part six of the Twin Paradox Trilogy. It's called Legends and Imposters. In this first chapter, we learn of Ozzy Guerrero's journey from Darmstadt, via Frankfurt, Germany, to Houston, Texas. There, he hopes to connect with his twin brother, Proxido. Repeatedly mistaken for his famous sibling, he's about to see what it's like being a recognized celebrity. Twin Paradox is a sci-fi series encompassing three full-length novels, all of which can be found on Amazon.com. You can go online and purchase them, or if you prefer, listen to me read them to you. So let's continue. Ladies and gentlemen, Part 6, Legends and Imposters, Chapter 28, Being in His Shoes. It took an entire day for Oswaldo Guerrero to travel all the way from Darmstadt, Germany to Houston, Texas. A bullet-fast train ride up to Frankfurt, then a long journey by airship to Houston was required, after a quick stopover in Paris, of course, which allowed Ozzy to look out the window and see the famed City of Lights, all renewed and restored to its former glory. It was hard to believe the French capital had once been the scene of horrendous rioting, looting, and public anarchy less than a century ago. Over a third of the city had been devastated during the aftermath of the Great Collapse of 2028. Ravaged by fire and rampaging gangs until the military was able to regain control several months later, it had taken decades to rebuild. Ozzy brought with him a military-issue duffel bag packed with his dress uniform neatly folded inside, as well as changes of socks and underwear, plus a casual outfit that he could change into. Monica, their bubbly reorientation counselor, had helped him purchase this so he could dress in 22nd century attire and not have to look like an officer in space program all the time everywhere he went. However, for the trip itself, he wore a beret with his military insignia and pressed khaki pants with a matching buttoned shirt which held all his medals and accommodations. This, plus his official GU pass, entitled him to free travel worldwide. His breast was adorned with service medals, including one shaped like a spacecraft dangling from a set of two braided bars, which were black and had 24 yellow gold stripes signifying each of his years in space. No one had ever worn such a thing before. Only returning crew members from Santa Maria could ever earn such an amazing military decoration. It drew attention practically everywhere he went, especially in Frankfurt. But when he arrived in Houston, something else about the young man seemed to catch everyone's eye. Making his way around Houston Hobby Air Terminal, he was fascinated to see people constantly making eye contact with him and smiling. 
Sometimes they were even pointing at him. Took quite a while before he finally made the connection. They seemed to recognize him. He wondered at first if perhaps they'd seen him on Ultravision during the trial. It was only when a small boy of about nine or ten ran up to him, with his parents all giggly and excited in the background, that Ozzy slowly began putting it together. The child wanted an autograph. Ranger! Ranger! exclaimed the lad, and when he did so it drew a crowd of curious Texans and other commuters wanting to see what the ruckus was all about. Mystery solved. Shit, he thought to himself amusedly. They think I'm my twin brother. The youth was wearing a white replica Megaball jersey, much like his brother wore when playing for Dallas. It had the number 65 emblazoned on the front and scarlet red sleeves with images of a cowboy's lasso and hat stitched onto the upper arm. What's more, the boy had an ink pen and was offering it up to him to perform the task. That's when Ozzy grew apprehensive regarding this chance encounter with one of his brother's devoted fans. He wasn't so sure how to sign his brother's, or for that matter, even his own, name. Poor Ozzy, 24 Earth years in space. He'd not used a writing implement of any kind since he was 10 and barely remembered how to do it. On board the ship, they used keyboards to type information, never wrote anything by hand, didn't have to. Most devices responded to voice commands anyway. Now, after all these years, he could hardly draw letters anymore. Nevertheless, he soldiered through it, and in large letters wrote Ranger across the upper left chest of the child's shirt, struggling at times to remember just how to create them. He mistakenly forgot the A in Ranger and had to go back to squeeze one in after realizing it didn't look right. No one seemed to care. Hands reached out to shake his, or fists were thrust forward for him to punch lightly in the manner of athletes congratulating one another. As the crowd circled around him, it was almost unnerving. But Ozzy greeted them graciously and thanked them for their kindness. Wasn't much else he could think of to do. So this is what it's like, huh? He mused to himself. This is what it's like to be in a world-famous athlete. Now I know. And as he waded through the masses of people in the terminal, he began to appreciate what it meant to be frequently recognized. Can't go nowhere without people wanting a moment of your time. A little piece of that fame you've earned just to tell everyone they met you. Yeah, I get it. God, what my poor brother must go through dealing with all this crap. Bet it gets old real fast. It continued that night, even when he checked into his hotel. Sure enough, the long journey from Germany had put him in Houston too late in the day to try and find a driver who could take him all the way to Katy, Texas. He'd assumed it would, and he was right. What's more, he only knew his brother had a house there and nothing more. Didn't know exactly where it was. Just had an address, but what good was that after being in space for over two decades? That's why Ozzy had Monica back at Space Program try and contact Proxidus before he left. Had her send him a message via electronic mail earlier that day, just so he'd know Ozzy was coming. Unfortunately, the restaurant and the hotel, as it would turn out, had stopped serving food by that late hour, and Ozzy by this point was famished. So he went over to the bar next door, hoping he could at least order himself a hamburger. Didn't take long for him to be mistaken for his brother once again. This time, the whole bar found out. It was nearly overwhelming. 
liquored up Texans this time, travelers mostly, but even a few locals who had ambled in for happy hour. They recognized him within minutes. Only his military uniform threw them off at first, but even that didn't stop them from swarming around the young man like college students, crowding around a pizza box after a late-night study session. It started with one starstruck fan, then quickly took off from there. "'Hey, looky there, will you?' exclaimed a drunkard at the bar. He was sitting with his wife, or girlfriend, or female companion of some sort, nursing a glass of tequila mixed with orange juice and grenadine that had an orange wedge perched on the side. A tequila sunrise. He was at that moment taking another sip when he saw what looked to him like the famous megaball player, recognized him almost immediately. What's more, he felt inclined to alert most everyone around him to his discovery, starting with his wife. Darling, ain't that Ranger Guerrero from the Wranglers? He asked her. His inebriated female sidekick didn't seem to make the connection. Nah, dummy. He's from the Space Command, see? She'd seen enough of that type of uniform to identify them easily by now, especially with all the media coverage of the recent trial. However, the middle-aged sports fan was quite adamant. Yeah, he is. Seriously, Elvira, look. It's him, I'm telling you. He lives near Houston, I heard. Must have been traveling and just stopped in for a beer. You know how much them old megaballers like to party it up. What say we buy his first round? The woman smirked and chided the fellow. Whatever, Devin. I'm just saying I think that's just some fella from the space agency. Devin wasn't buying it. Hey, Ranger! He bellowed out, and Ozzy looked up instinctively. The bartender had just brought him a glass of beer, which he'd intended to sip on until they brought him his dinner. Uh, (laughs) double guacamole cheeseburger with a bacon, please, he had just requested. This suddenly sounded like the most amazing American delicacy he could possibly imagine. Also, can you bring me a bowl of your chili con queso? I never had me none of that. The bartender eyed him warily for a moment, grinning slightly like it sounded rather odd to hear a fellow Texan admit to not eating cheesy queso dip before. He chuckled. Okay, Mr. Guerrero, I'll fetch you some. Want some chips to eat it with, or you just want to swig it down from a shot glass? He was kidding, of course. Obviously thought Ozzy was Proxidus Guerrero as well. However, it truly stumped Ozzy for a moment, not remembering anymore how one ate queso after so many years away. Last he'd been in Texas, he was only ten years old. They didn't serve gourmet food at the orphanage, of course. Certainly not appetizers. Your way is as good as mine, he quipped cleverly. Bring it any way you want to, I reckon. The man snickered some more and said he recommended it with steamed corn tortillas. Not a bad idea to just smother your cheeseburger in it, too, if you're so inclined, he added. That's how I like it, I mean. Ozzy's eyes widened with delight as he agreed with a happy nod of his head. At that point, he was hungry enough to eat his own arm. By then, Devin the drunk was already staggering up to him at the bar. So what's with the military duds, Hoss? asked the man. His breath smelled even stronger than his aftershave. You go and retire from sports, then enlist in space program? What the hell would you want to do a thing like that for? Ozzy thought fast. Nah, um, costume party, later on tonight. 
claimed Ensign Guerrero. Wanted to go as a security guard or a fireman, but all they had at the shop was this old piece of shit sailor suit for me to wear. How about you? What's your excuse? Once Ozzy had said all that, with a smart-ass grin forming on his face, the man looked down at his own western-style shirt and bolo tie that he was wearing, belly hanging over his belt line, ostrich-skin cowboy boots and charcoal black denim jeans to complete the ensemble. The bartender started laughing uproariously, overhearing the conversation while working on another drink order. Ha <laughs> ha! Good one, Ranger! The drunk replied. I couldn't help it, sorry. My Dallas Wrangler's replica jersey done got a big old chili stain on it, and this is how the wife dressed me up this morning. Then he laughed some more. Hey, let me get that round of beer for you. I'm a fan if I didn't tell you already. Name's Devin Smythe. Wife Elvira down the bar there. Hey, say hi to Ranger Guerrero, honey. Elvira waved and smiled from her bar stool, held up a single hand and wiggled her fingers a bit. Ozzy nodded toward her and tipped his cap. Bring her down the bar and I'll autograph her titties for you if you want it, smirked Ozzy. This only made the man laugh harder. Cracked everyone else up as well. In fact, within half an hour, Ozzy was the center of attention. Never paid a single euro that night. No one would let him. Bartender even comped his cheeseburger, which Ozzy only managed to eat half of. He was so busy mingling and talking to people. Folks would come up and shake his hand. They'd tell him about the first time or the last time they'd seen him play, ask him about retirement, tell him about their favorite play, or simply ask him what it was like to be a sports icon. Meanwhile, Ozzy lapped it up like a kitten with a saucer full of cream. He'd ask them about their lives and their families and their jobs as well. Took an interest in them, made them feel important, while Ozzy himself learned quite a lot about how people lived on Earth nowadays. They in turn loved Ranger Guerrero, the man, even more than they idolized him as a sports star. He drank beer until way past midnight when he finally called it a day and bid them adieu. What a fucking blast! Y'all are amazing, and I ain't lying neither, he slurred as he made his way out of the bar. The other patrons waved and chanted his brother's name like they were in a stadium. Ozzy then staggered over to the elevator and up to his room, where he eventually poured himself into bed, woke up only once to go have himself a good long pee, then returned to bed and slept in, until just past 0900, dreaming about the night before and recalling the thrill of being treated like someone famous. If this was truly the life his brother led, then Ozzy was sincerely happy for him, had more fun in four hours than he'd had in recent memory. Only when he awoke the next morning did he get a chance to assess the whole incredible experience. Man, my brother's lucky, Ozzy muttered to himself as he stumbled over to the toilet to relieve himself once more, leaned forward and planted his hand against the wall so that he could endure the long, drawn-out process of emptying his bladder, which was quite apparently still half full of lager beer. To make matters worse, he was feeling the effects of his first ever hangover. Shit, if he gets treated like that wherever he goes, God Almighty, he's got it good, he continued. I wouldn't mind being in his shoes more often, come to think of it. As he urinated for a few more seconds and drained out the last few droplets, he then snickered a bit and mused, Yep, he's fortunate to be loved and admired so much by so many. Betty feels pretty damn good with himself accomplishing all of that. 
Then after a short pause, he added with a jealous smirk, Fucker. Meanwhile, unbeknownst to Ozzy, out west of the city, many miles away, another man with exactly the same face and almost the same body, same eyes and same crooked smile, had begun his weekend with a rather different perspective on things. This concludes tonight's podcast of Chapter 28, Being in His Shoes. I hope you enjoyed it. Watch for Chapter 29, which I'll be posting very soon. And now for our special guest tonight, author A.D. Randall. She's here to tell us about her latest novel, Death's Final Love Note. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yes. So tell us about Death's Final Love Note. Sure. Lillian is sitting in her hospital bed, dying from stage four liver cancer. I'm going to die. I'm going to die young. A sharp knife of a very short life. Those very words haunt that 17-year-old. All she wants to do is live out what little life she has left with her four brothers and parents. Unexpectedly, she meets a boy named Xander, who shows up at the most inopportune times. She slowly realizes that she's not only fighting for her life, but also her soul. For the devil has different plans for her. Too soon, secrets are revealed, and sometimes, secrets aren't meant to be told. Let the battle of the souls begin. Sounds like a fascinating book. Well, thanks for stopping by the studio. Anything else you want to tell us about it? Well, there's a few twists and turns in there a little bit. Perhaps her family doesn't make it. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. There's just some twists and turns. Excellent. Well, by the way, thanks for doing the character Elvira earlier during the podcast. It's always great to have a second voice during my episode so I don't have to do all of the characters myself. Folks, you can find Ms. Randall's book on Smashwords.com as well as Barnes & Noble. And a link to it will be included in the transcript for this episode. Also, and don't forget, my latest full-length novel, Deathwalker Colony, is available for purchase right now on Amazon as well, along with the first two books in the Rigel 12 series, The Rise of New Australia and Return of Anarchy. Go online and check them out. I'm King Everett Medlin. Thanks for tuning in.